A reading from the third chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the first verse. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I've said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen. Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Have you ever been surrounded by the dark? Have you ever felt yourself completely framed in by darkness? In and of itself, there's nothing wrong with darkness. Darkness is simply an absence of light. But the writer of this gospel reframes darkness so that it's the opposite of light and that Christ is the light of the world. Later in this gospel, Jesus will say about Himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows Me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness for John is an ignorance or a denial of who Christ is. That is the darkness we encounter Nicodemus in. And I suspect that the idiom we use that she was completely in the dark about it comes from this story where darkness seems to be an analogy for not having a clue. For confusion and lack of understanding. But the metaphorical darkness does share some similarity to literal darkness. Which is why I asked you, have you ever been completely in the dark? 
Once when I was 16 or so, my dad were taking our ladder-style tree stands out of the woods, and we hunted public lands back then. And at the end of the year, you had to take the tree stand out of the woods. You couldn't leave it. Well, we had done some things that year that we thought were smart. The first one is that we bought some rechargeable batteries at Radio Shack. They had just came out. They were all the rage. We were going to save a bundle of money, right? Recharge those batteries, put them in the flashlight, and use them over and over and over again. That was the first bright idea that went wrong. And the second one is we decided we would rig up some bicycle wheels that we could attach to those big, heavy, wooden tree stands so that we didn't have to drag them out of the woods. We could roll that thing out of the woods. Mobile tree stand. So with that feat of Mill Hill engineering, an eight-foot or so tall tree stand strapped to my back with bicycle wheels on it, we headed toward the truck. I feel like it's like a John Boy and Billy joke waiting to happen. How'd that work out for you? Not too good. Well, of course, those cheap, wonderful, money-saving batteries died after I'd taken about five steps. <laughs> and we had no more flashlight, and it was dark. Because in the woods, with no flashlight, it's dark. If you want to know what dark is, be in the woods with no flashlight, right? Anybody? Just me? You're going to leave me out to hang? Leave me hang? Mark and Phil, Chuck, come on, man. Y'all, yeah, it's dark. And of course what happened was, as I was advancing forward with this big, long piece of wooden, heavy stuff attached to my back, the wheels locked on a log that I stepped over, but it didn't have reason to think the wheels would not roll over. And the wheels did not roll over it, and the wheels hung on that log, and the tree stand proceeded to flip me over and slam me on the ground. And we were in the total dark. And our weakness was exposed by darkness. Because without seeing, you can't grab anything to stabilize yourself and get your strength. Anyone who's ever had to get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom knows that feeling. We are weakest when we're in the dark, when our ability to see is compromised and stolen from us. Our strength seems stolen. We're confused by it. Our understanding is limited by it. And if you've ever had the power go out during a storm and gotten up, you know that you stumble around, you feel for the coffee table because you don't want to stump your toe on it. You feel for the end table or whatever it is you need to get your bearings and get some strength to touch something so that you won't stumble. We grope for anything familiar that might help us orient ourselves. And I kind of wonder if that's what Nicodemus is doing groping for something familiar to hold on to while he's struggling in the dark. The signs that Jesus had been doing has threatened his understanding of God's kingdom. They threaten his role in God's kingdom. His buddies are upset. They want to put him to death. Jesus has just spent a bunch of time in the temple running out the cattle sellers and the sheep sellers and the money changers, making a whip and scaring everybody. And Nicodemus is disturbed by that. His whole world is turned upside down like a fat kid with a tree stand on his back. And he doesn't know what's going on. He can't find his bearings because he's stuck in the dark about who Jesus is. And so Nicodemus comes in the dark, John says. He seemingly does that on purpose. Maybe to be shrouded by it, to be hidden by it, so that his friends don't see him. 
he approached Jesus in the darkness. And I wonder if John isn't using that as a tool. Because John always uses darkness as a tool in his writing. I wonder if John doesn't want us to notice that darkness and wonder if we're trapped in it as well. If somehow we are confused or ignorant about Christ. Later in John's story, in chapter 19 and verse 39, Nicodemus is said to have accompanied Joseph of Arimathea to take the body of Jesus and bury him. Because Joseph was called a secret disciple, Christians have long assumed that Nicodemus must have also been a secret disciple of Jesus. Even here in chapter 3, that he's coming out of a desire to know who Christ really is. And his life is clouded with darkness. The truth is, we can't know. But Nicodemus's use of the miraculous we suggests that that is what is going on. Have you ever said, we think to somebody and they asked you if you have a rat in your pocket? Because you were the only one that thought it? No? Joke went over the head? Y'all would get that if you were married to my wife. That's what she always says to me. You got a rat in your pocket? We language. We say that when we don't want everybody else to think that we're the only person confused. When we don't want to look like we're the only one who thinks what we think and we don't want to be on the hook for saying it. We is a word that allows us to create secret backups for ourselves. Other people who agree with us. It gives our words additional power. It makes our opinions seem more valid because it causes people to assume that there must be others who feel like we feel. When we use the magical word we, we're trying not to be on the hook for our own opinion. We, Nicodemus says, we know you are a teacher who's come from God for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. Who could do the things Jesus had been doing unless God were with him? How else could he call fishermen to follow him? And they instantly drop their nets and follow. How else could he say to Nathaniel, I saw you while you were under the fig tree before Philip called you? How could someone change water into wine if God were not with him? How else could he have the authority to go into the temple, make a whip, drive all the cattle, sheep, and money changers from the temple of God? How else could he have the authority to say, how dare you turn my father's house into a marketplace? How else could he say to the religious leaders, destroy this temple and I will raise it in three days? How else, after seeing how the many believed in his name simply because of the signs he had done, could he withdraw for knowing the very heart of humanity? Only because God was with Jesus, because Jesus was the Word become flesh, the Word which was in the beginning, the words which John says in the first verse of his gospel was with God, and the Word was God. God is with Jesus. And Jesus is doing extraordinary signs, and that's why Nicodemus has come, because Jesus is threatening everything he knows about himself and about his faith. He's attracted to Jesus because of his actions, but he's in the dark as to what they mean. 
So Nicodemus comes before the one whom he believed God was with, under the darkness, protected by the ubiquitous we. He seeks to know more. But rather than wait for Nicodemus to ask a question, Jesus responds to the darkness that Nicodemus is in. We're weak when we're in the dark. We're helpless and confined by it. We're confused by it. We can become used to it and even comforted by it. And so we say to each other, ignorance is bliss. Nicodemus came under the cover of his ignorance. And Jesus is going to reform Nicodemus' understanding by speaking to him of the activity of God's Spirit, the giving of God's Son, both expressions of God's love. He's going to tell Nicodemus how God is putting the batteries back in human life so that we can shine with Christ's own light. So how does Nicodemus, does Jesus respond to Nicodemus' weaknesses, to his ignorance and his confusion? Jesus reframes the conversation by calling him out of the womb of darkness and into the light of birth. Jesus calls him to be born into eternal life, to new birth, and tells him how to receive it. Before Nicodemus could begin to utter whatever question he had, whatever brought him there in the first place, Jesus declared to him and to us, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Jesus is offering Nicodemus and you and me a way out of darkness. From where Nicodemus is and perhaps where some of we are, the kingdom that is present with Christ is hard to see. Amidst all of our struggling and our sufferings and our hurts, it can be hard to see the love and the joy and the peace of Christ. And Jesus is offering to bring Nicodemus and us into that kingdom through rebirth in the Holy Spirit. And so He says, you must be given birth to again. From above. Jesus uses human birth as an analogy for becoming part of God's kingdom. He likens God's reign to our being given birth by our mothers. He modifies a passive verb for birth with an adjective that means again and from above. It means both at the same time. Nicodemus takes his meaning literally and wonders how he could climb again into his mother's womb. But Jesus is referring to a birth from above, a new birth that comes from God that is brought by the Holy Spirit. If you were to ask me if I'm born again or born from above, which, which translation would I prefer for myself? I would say both. I'm born from above and that I'm born of the Holy Spirit. And since I've been born from above, I'm also born again. John and Charles Wesley called that the second birth or the new birth. It's an inward work of God's Holy Spirit in each one of us that we receive in our baptism through faith. It's symbolized by the outward washing of water, a reminder of God's work in us. 
The same Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters of creation. The same Holy Spirit that last week hovered over the disciples and gave birth to the church. That same Spirit hovers over us and was at work in Nicodemus. It blows through the life of every person who believes in Jesus and begets them anew. Second birth, Paul says, is that everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. It's a birth from above that makes us children of God. And this same Holy Spirit, Paul says in Romans 8, gives us assurance. Assurance that we are God's children. That no matter what comes against us, God will not leave us or forsake us. That we can have the assurance to walk through the hardships and difficulties of this life knowing knowing that we belong to Christ and to His Father. The Spirit forms us anew and frames us in God's love such that we begin to live again as adopted daughters and sons of God. We are framed in God's love, the love that was in display on the cross, in the giving of the Son and the sending of the Holy Spirit. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish, but have eternal life. That verse, that verse is like a picture frame wrapped around the world. It shows us how important the world is to God, and how God has demonstrated that love. The love that invites us out of the darkness of a womb of death, and into the light of God's own life. Jesus invited Nicodemus into that love and life, saying that this invitation to live is available to everyone, for God so loved the world. Perhaps, when we look at ourselves, we would do well to remember that. Just as a photo that is important to us is framed in wood and glass, we are framed in God's love and light. It might completely change how we view ourselves especially when we are bullied by others or constantly attacked by our shape, our color, our speech. It might completely change how we review ourselves with all of our faults and failures if we were to remember that we are framed by God's own love. If we remember always that God loved us in this way, That He gave His Son for us. Likewise, and perhaps more importantly, we should always remember that God loves everyone around us in that same way. John did not say, for God so loved a certain people, or a certain color people, a certain race of people, a certain gender of people. There's no qualification given on God's love. It's for the whole world. God's love invites the world to be born out of the darkness of being separated from God and into the light of unity with God. And so the question we all face is, do we have that new life? Do we have that assurance in ourselves that we are born again into Christ, that we are God's own children? Does the Spirit say to your spirit, You are God's child. Or are we still standing in the wings of darkness with Nicodemus? 
half committed but not sure? Are we covered in the light of Christ or watching from the shadows? Do we believe that God loves us? Can we accept the notion that we are framed and surrounded by God's love? And that God intends to recreate us and perfect us in God's own image? Dear ones, God sent and gave His only Son, the begotten Jesus, so that we might not be left to perish, but we might be enveloped in love and light and the hope of eternal life. This is the same love that binds the persons of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in one being, and one God. We are being surrounded by that same binding love so that we might be drawn up into the very life and love of God to be one with God. And we are also being called to bear witness to that love, to lift high the cross just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert so that the whole world can be confronted with the love of God and desire to be drawn out of the darkness of the womb of death and into the light and hope of eternal life. That is our mission. That is our hope to share with others. Let us lift high the cross. Never forgetting the the person at work, that person at your workplace, at your school, at your church, at your home, or at your local Walmart that gets on your last nerve, that just makes you want to whack them with a boat paddle. That person that you can't hardly stand to be around is framed in God's love in the same way that you are. Never see anyone without remembering that God gave His Son for them. And your life will be radically changed. Remember that. We are all framed by God's love. We are all loved by God the Father. We have all been died for by God the Son. And we are all being sought after to be renewed by God the Holy Spirit. We are all framed by love. Amen and amen.